I trust in God. Say that. Say, I trust in God. Say it where you can hear it. I trust in God. But you don't know my situation. Say it. I trust in God. But, but you don't know what just happened. I trust in God. You don't know what's going on in my family. I trust in God. How about those finances? I trust in God. How about your future? I trust in God. How about that dream you keep having over and over I and over? I don't know who that was for, but the devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. I trust in God. The arm of the flesh is weak. The Bible says when you've done all you can do, you then stand. So we're not saying in this song, in this worship, and this has actually been my anthem all week. I put it on my Facebook page a couple days ago. We're not saying that the struggle isn't real. We're not saying the lump doesn't exist. We're not saying there's zeros where there needs to be some money. We're not saying that those things are not there. We're just saying no matter what, I trust in God because he sees something we don't see see we can only see to the corner he can see around the corner he sees things we don't see he's working in areas we don't know he's making a way where there appears to be no way he didn't say there wasn't a way he just said it appears there's no way when something appears to be a certain way we just can't see it yet it appears to be a failed loss it appears to be over It appears to be too far gone. I trust in God. I trust in God. Hallelujah. This goes right in, and if we're okay, can we just go right into the message this morning? I trust in God. And I know those of you that are watching all over America this morning, I've seen Texas and Florida and Kentucky and those of you that are in other cities that cannot get here this morning. I know Tiz is traveling. I know Texas, Matthew's on. I I saw different people from all around watching this morning. Different ones are traveling as the holidays are approaching. Come on. God is working on your behalf. Come on. Put your hands together this morning. You can be seated in this spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is on the move. Thank you, Noe and team this morning. That particular psalm, that song came from Psalms 34. And that is one of the psalms I'm going to reference this morning in my message, The Cave Experience. If you got your notebook out, we're going we're gonna to take some notes this morning. I've been studying this. Actually, last Sunday, has Pastor just been preaching up a storm these last couple weeks? 
I, I hesitated even last night taking the pulpit this morning because he is on a roll. And you know when those, those batters are on a roll, you don't want to break a good thing. He is a blessing to us. He is such an encouragement to this house. He stands in the midst of the fire where we don't even know sometimes and holds back the darkness in the atmosphere. So thank you for letting me preach today, baby. I, I, this, this nugget started last Sunday, and I don't even remember what you preached. It's in my notes. I know where you said something. I wrote that down, and then this came up in my spirit. We're going to talk about the life of David. Um, I have done an exclusive study years ago on Joseph. He primarily has been my favorite male character, of course, next to Jesus, but as far as characters and and life and situations and experiences um those have always i just i love joseph man he's the comeback kid anybody any we got any comeback kids in the house anybody watching you got a comeback story if you don't keep breathing (laughs) i got good news you're coming back amen but david is spoken about and referenced only second to Jesus in our Bible. And I thought, well, maybe there might be something in his life that we could learn from. And we primarily know the, the basis, basics of, of David. He killed Goliath with a, with a slingshot and, and a stone. But I want to dig into a little bit of his life. I've been studying it all week and and different nuggets and things that I didn't really know or pay attention to when I read those scriptures. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. And I just pray that till we get to the end of this message today, that God will have spoken to you and that some change can take place in your life. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for those gathered here and those that are watching online. God, I pray that the same anointing that's been present thus far in our worship service will continue to stay upon the words that I speak. God, give me clarity, examples that speak specifically to the heart of your people. God, you want us to come out of the cave. You want us to be victorious. You want us to reach our destination. And so today, God, I ask for your anointing, your clarity, and your speech. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 22. 1 Samuel chapter 22. And I'm going to talk about the cave of Abdullam. We're going to, I'll summarize David's life and get you to that place. But my text is here today. David left Gath. You know what? I don't think I gave you the verse, but you're right there with me. Thank you. Uh, David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Abdullam. When his brothers in his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were distressed, in debt, or discontented, gathered around him, and he became their leader. Do I have anybody in the house or watching that is distressed? Okay, I just want to make sure I'm talking to the right crowd. We got, we got distress in the house? Good. Anybody in debt? Now, you only allowed raise your hand. No, I'm just kidding. 
You, you might raise your hand on all three of these. Uh, anybody in the house discontented with where you are presently? All right, I am talking to the right people. Welcome, everybody, this morning. I don't even know if I did that. I just went right into jumping and shouting. So glad you're all here today. Amen. Um, so that is our text. I'm going to circle back to this. But something I want you to note, Gath is two miles away from the cave of Abdullam. Goliath is from Gath and that is where David went to fight Goliath. So he's hiding in a cave two miles from the greatest victory the nation had witnessed. You're in good company today. The cave of Abdullam means testimony, refuge, and surrender. These are points we're coming back to. When his brothers and father's, father's household, I thought this was so, quite interesting. We're going to talk about his brother. If you remember the story when, when Jesse told David, take some bread and cheese down to the front lines. Jesse's boys were down there fighting. Well, they weren't. They were just standing there, but they were supposed to be fighting and, and hiding and afraid. And he went down. He did what his father said. And his oldest brother was so angry that he had the audacity to come down like he's some punk kid. You don't have any business here at the front lines. You think you're better than everybody. What are you doing here? And he, the Bible even records that he had such anger that he was cursed because of that spirit of anger. That's not my message this morning, but if you got a spirit of anger on you, it's not going to go really well. We got to break that off for yourself and your sake and others around you. That was the biblical. So I thought it was interesting that when he went into hiding, here came the brother didn't even like him. <laughs> We're coming back to that. And his father that didn't even acknowledge he existed. When, when Samuel came to town to anoint the king, he called everybody to line up. Except for David. For all you football fans out there, that was the official first draft ever existed. And then they couldn't find the fastest runner. They couldn't find the best QB. They couldn't find the best running back. They couldn't find the best O-lineman. And they had to call out David, which became the walk-on. That was a joke, okay? You can laugh, lighten up. <laughs> You're going to make me work today. So we're summarizing David's life. 1 Samuel 16 through 31. I'm just going to hit some points as I just did in that particular text um, to, to catch everything up. So David is the, the most wrote about. I talked about that. And chapter 16, verses 12 through 13 is where Samuel comes to town. He said, God has called me to anoint the next king. Okay, so just write it down. I, I'm not going to go to each one. You can put them up, Aaron, should you have the opportunity. He is back there juggling. Can we tell our sound and our media team? They are like amazing. 
That would be you, Jonathan, and you, Aaron. They're clapping for each other. <laughs> we love you. And it, I, I know we make this impossible sometimes, but we really do appreciate what you do. Um, so anyway, so David... Samuel comes to town. He's supposed to anoint the next king. Here's all these handsome, strapping young men. And he goes before each one. He said, Jesse, is there another one? He said, yeah, he's out tending the sheep. And see, that's where the devil missed it. He wasn't just out tending the sheep. He was out there with God. So everybody else saw him as a, I'm not calling you to the lineup. They were looking at the outward. They were looking at all he did all day long was herd them sheep. Get them sheep where they're supposed to go. No, that's not what he was doing. Yeah, that's what he was doing in the natural. But he was developing a relationship with God. He was developing his own worship, his own praise. He was developing the book of Psalms that you and I get strength and healing from. So yes, he was out there, but they miscalculated what he was doing. What was being built on the inside of him? What he was developing for a future use that I'm not sure that he even knew. See, you start on your journey, young people. My children, those of you in this place, we start on these journeys. We have this desire. And we head that direction. Not really knowing exactly what God has, but we're, we're, we're out there, we're preparing. Keep doing that. Because just as you said, Noe, he is ordering our steps. It is your responsibility to pick up your foot and God will direct your steps. You may be going this way and all of a sudden a door opens over here. God knows the beginning from the end. Trust him in that process. It is so very uncomfortable when you think it's this and then it's this. But whatever it is, it will be fabulous. It will be tailor-made for you. It will change the lives of everyone around you. It will be significant and it will be fulfilling in your heart. He will not call you and lead you to an empty grave. He knows what he's doing. And so we hear the story. David comes in. Samuel anoints him. And he goes back to town. Everybody goes back to where they were. Nothing happened really different other than the Bible records that the spirit of the Lord fell mightily on David. But he was still the youngest of the house. Everybody went back to work. Oh, that was a great church service. David got anointed. Woo! But everything went on as normal. And, and that's where I think some of us get hung up. Because we felt the power of God, because we were anointed, because we got that word spoken over us in that tent revival, we, th we, we think and we should, I guess, that something's going to change, that it's going to open up right then. Pastor said it best, this was incredible. The woman with the issue of blood 
was sick for 13 years before he before she got healed. Jesus wasn't ready. He started in his ministry in his 30s. He was a teenager when she got sick. So sometimes your answer is, is, is being groomed, is being taught, is being prepared for his moment to step on the scene. It wasn't that God didn't care about her issue. It wasn't that God didn't see that she had spent all she had. She kept going to all these doctors. He, she had a real problem. But her answer wasn't ready yet. So you might be facing a situation right now. It's not that your prayers aren't getting answered. That's the what the enemy wants you to think. Because he wants you to stop praying. He wants you to stop coming to church. He wants you to stop seeking the Lord. He wants you to stop because you think he's not hearing. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he answered. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he answered. The problem is we get hung up on the answer. It's not when we want it, how we want it, and usually through who we want it. But he heard you. Don't stop trusting. Don't stop praying. Don't stop standing. Don't stop confessing. Don't stop believing. Don't stop. <laughs> I'm going to get you loosened up so this word can get in your heart. That's a trick of the enemy. The Bible says in Psalms 34, I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me and he healed me and he sent his word. Come on now, amen. Give him a shout for a moment. Mm. Chapter 16, verse 14 through 23. David was called to play the lyre for the king. So King Saul was disobedient. He was rejected by God because of his sin. And so the, the, he kept having evil tormenting dreams, tormenting spells. And so he sought his counselors and he said, find me someone that can get the devil off my back. Isn't that funny when, you, when, when your friends and your family go wild and they hit the bottom? They know who to call. The one that knows how to get that thing off of them. The one that spent time with, with God back on the hills. Oh, you might be crazy now. You might be all that now. But that's all right. And don't, don't be facetious. Don't rub it in. I want my family to call me. I want my friends to call me. I want my coworkers to call me. But don't get offended when they make fun of you right now. Because there will be a day they need you to get that evil spirit off of them. And when they call, you're going to have the goods. You're going to have the anointing. You're going to have the power. You're going to have the words to say to break that spirit. Yeah, good. It's all good. It's all part of the plan, baby. Yeah. Keep standing up for Jesus Christ. Don't be ashamed of the power of God, for it is the self. It, it, that's the power. Don't be just, don't, don't, don't be, uh, how, no, they need what you got, you crazy Pentecostal, charismatic, tongue talker, devil, whatever y'all are. Be that. Can't even get it out. <laughs> so David, one of the one of the men said, "Hey, I remember hearing about Jesse's boy. He's out in the out watching the sheep. He he plays. He's pretty cool. He's pretty, you know. That he seems like it. So he comes in. King says, "You're hired." 
he sent to Jesse, he said, I want your boy to stay with me in the palace. And it's kind of interesting, Joseph and David both had opportunity before they rose to power, before they walked into their assignment, they were exposed to the realm that they needed to learn and the realm that they were going to rule. David was summoned to get the demons out of, uh, off of Saul. Nah, God's cool. He had it laid out. Watch what he does that doesn't work. Listen to the voice of the people. Watch what's going on over here. See what's going on over here and how you're, you're being equipped. So God is equipping you even when you think you're not on assignment. Yeah. I just get so excited. <laughs> Because I see something in you. I see what God is doing in you. You get so discouraged going through mundane routine of day-to-day life. You think what you're doing doesn't matter and it does. He's preparing you. Be found faithful over little and God will give you much. I was telling my grandson that story yesterday. Be found faithful over the little things. Take care of somebody else's stuff. God will give you your own. Be faithful. So he's being trained up. He's in the house. He's in the, in the king's court. And your worship, and let, let me just throw this in here. Your worship is a powerful tool. So not only did David use that to get that spirit off of King Saul, you can use it to get it off of you. You know when that spirit of depression comes and hits you? Put, put, put on some worship music. Find your own place of worship. Find your own song. Find a place where you can dance and shout and just let it out. That thing, can, it, it will get off you. Praise stills the avenger. It keeps him at bay. It arrests him. It keeps him silent and still. He's yelling. But you ain't hearing it because you're worshiping. David became of service, verse 21. And then let's move up to chapter 17, 45 to 46. So through all of these events... From the time he was anointed, from the time he killed the lion and the bear, from the time he, he was preparing himself, he went to the king's house. And, and here comes Goliath trying to stop the people of Israel. Okay, so, so here we are in chapter 17, verses 45 and 46. David had full confidence in God Almighty. There was no fear in him. You, you can't. You're going up against a nine foot giant. You're not trained for battle. He went and tried to get Saul's armor. They, they tried to put, you, can I tell you, you cannot wear someone else's armor. It will not work for you. You cannot wear Noe's. You cannot wear pastors. You cannot wear your spouses. You have your own armor that is fit. You know how you, 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 you go rent a tux. They, they get you there and they fit you. They measure your inseam. They measure your arms. They measure your waist and your chest. They measure you so that what they're getting ready to put on you will fit you. Yeah. 
If you try to walk out there in a dress that wasn't tailored, you might trip. If you walk out there with a suit that's too tight, well, you just probably don't want to do that. God has a suit tailor made for you. And inside that armor, inside that suit is the weaponry that you need to defeat every one of your giants. Every one of them. Your suit, your, your armor is going to look completely different to the person on your left and on your right. Why is that? Because their fight is different than yours. Their armor is tailored for their fight. So don't be discouraged. You've got armor. You've got a God that you can worship. You've got, listen, feel how this thing is building. And so now he's got confidence. I don't know who you think you are. They all might be scared, but I know my Redeemer. I know my Lord. I, he says right here, he says, Thou comest to me with a sword and a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord. Can I tell you the name of Jesus is greater than a sword, than a spear, than a bunch of chariots and an army full of angry men. You have more power than you know at your disposal. I speak the name of Jesus. They were flowing point by point by point this morning. But you got to open your mouth. I said this on a couple Tuesday talks ago about the, the enemy wants to keep your mouth shut. And I know people do this and, and I don't think they, they it's, this isn't a, um, a, a, a discouraging or a condemnation type comment, but they'll say, I've got a, a private prayer request. Well, I struggle with those. I have an unspoken prayer request. Okay, God bless you. I could be praying for your marriage and your left foot hurts. I would really think it would be a lot more effective if I had a little bit. I mean, you don't want to just tell everybody your business all the time. There are those private matters that you, you know, just share with, with certain people maybe. Um, but, but the Bible says speak to the mountain. Yeah. Not think about your unspoken request. He says speak. Say it. Tell it to go. The Bible, get behind me, Satan. I say to that mountain, be thou removed. I say to that disobedience in your, in that child. I say to that spirit of addiction. I say to that depression. I say to, uh, I feel this. Speak. Well, that makes me uncomfortable. That's okay. Be uncomfortable. Just open your mouth. Just say it. I promise you. It gets easier. You get bolder. You get more tenacity. You get... Stand up a little taller. Speak it. So, David is full of confidence. You know the story. He takes out Goliath. So, when... Here's my first question. When did faith go and fear set in? Because I want to get back to the cave. Why is he hiding? It's the same thing with the prophet. He had the great, called down fire from heaven and then wanted to run and hide because Jezebel's coming after him. 
How do we go from the mountaintop to the valley? How do we have the most amount of faith that the nation had ever seen? We, we, we conquer Goliath and then we find ourselves in the cave of Abdullam. I think somewhere between the victory and the cave, he started trusting in his own flesh. He tried, started trusting in his own strength. He started trusting in the praise of the people. Saul killed a thousand, but David killed his ten thousand. Somewhere along the line, he exchanged his strength and need for God to his strength and need for himself. I did that. I did that. I did that. But here I am, full of fear. And jealousy, he, he did have fear because his life was in jeopardy. Six times, King Saul tried to kill David because he was full of jealousy. He had a reason to hide, but it wasn't just a reason to flee and go to another country. He began to sin. He lied about who he was. He lied to the priest and said, I didn't, no, don't tell anybody that I'm here on this mission. He lied and said that he didn't have a sword with him. So, so they gave him Goliath's sword, thinking that if he could hold up his prize, if he could hold up the, the reminder of his greatest victory, that that would be enough to shield him from that attack I did that I did not no God did that you can't kill a giant with a stone without the anointing on it so and, and because of his sin because of his lying then he acted like he was a madman then he, he went through this whole process 80 some prophets were 85 prophets or priests were killed because of his sin because he lied can I tell you you don't sin unto yourself that was on him that they died and so he came to himself I've got to hide. I've got to run. He'd been on the run for a while. But he found himself in the cave of Abdullam. It is by the Red Sea, or the Dead Sea. It is a desert place. It is a cave in the desert. I mean, it doesn't get much drier than that. Has anybody been going through a dry spell? A dry season where you know what I'm saying is true right now, but you just feel dry. You just feel empty. You just feel like you're spinning your wheels, but you're not seeing the things and the progress that you think should be manifesting by this point. Then I'm talking to you this morning. David ran and hid. Proverbs 14, 14 says the backslider in his heart is filled with his own ways. Sometimes we run strong and life hits us and we fall. We drop out of the race, man. I can't do this anymore. I'm done. I've tried and it doesn't work. I've done this over and over. It doesn't work. Get back on track. Let's give it another go. Stay the course. Your assignment did not change just because of what they did or did not do. Your calling did not change just because we came through stupid COVID and our ill will of society. Who you are 
has not changed. All the surroundings look kind of sucky. You're still, you're still on track. You're still, you, you still have a destiny. You still have something to do or you wouldn't be here today. Those of you that are watching, God's got a plan for your life. Jeremiah 29, 11 has not changed. I jumped ahead. I have a plan. I know the plans I have for you. God does. And the plans are thoughts of peace and not evil to give you an expected end. That means you are going to make it across the finish line. I'm reminded of that little 5K I had three days to prepare for. I tell you this story all the time or I have in the past. Carson was good enough to run and Abigail wouldn't let me stop and... (laughs) Mike back there was quoting scriptures. I could see the end in sight. I couldn't breathe. I thought I was going to fall. I didn't know what I was going to do. I was hyperventilating because I was taking in too much oxygen and not getting it out fast enough. I could see the end in sight. But without the support around me, I probably would have got there after they shut down the ticker. (laughs) After the lights went out, after the clock was stopped. And that's why we come to church. Because there's people around us. When we get weak, oh, no, you're not. No, No, you're not. You're not stopping now. Come on, we've been running this race for years together. We're not stopping now, are we? No, come on now, you've come too far. It may not be where you thought it'd be, but we're not stopping now. We started this race together. We're going to end this race together. We're all going to hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Come on, you're not stopping now. I'll just push you. Come on. We're in this together. David wrote Psalms. Well, he wrote the whole book of Psalms, but Psalms 57 and Psalms 142. I want you to read those this week for your devotion. 57 and 142. And one of the studies that I did, he actually said that, the, and, and he wrote those particular two in the cave while he was in the cave of Abdullam. And, and one of the commentaries that I was studying said that um, chapter 34 was also in the cave. I'm not really sure about that. But it does bear reference to what was going on in his world during that time. And can I tell you something I learned as well? He was in the cave for four years. It wasn't a weekend stay. He was in there for four years with a bunch of men that were, remember, let's circle back, distressed, in debt, and discontented. Boy, if you, you know, you're fearful and running for your life, isn't that cool? God just sends you a bunch of mess. (laughs) Here, let us join together. Let us band together. We're all broke. We're all disgusted. We're all depressed. Let's go fight. Woohoo! I mean, you talk about David hitting rock bottom. <laughs> you can be the leader of us broke folk. <laughs> you can be the leader of us depressed people. <laughs> That's messed up. <laughs> but God had a plan. When David surrendered 
himself wasn't on the hill, wasn't the lion, wasn't the bear, wasn't Goliath. When he surrendered his way, I don't know how I'm going to execute. You said I was called to be a king. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen. I'm getting out of the way. And God, you started this thing back at my daddy's house. It's up to you to finish it. When he surrendered, that's your first step today. When he surrendered, God started to move. And I had to think, I was laying there about six o'clock this morning in my room and I said, God, I wonder what they was doing. After he got his breakthrough, he was probably in there teaching them how to sing, teaching them, how, taking him back, teaching him how to worship teaching him the, the scroll, teaching him the things of God, reminding them, wait a minute, when I was just a lad, when I was the, he took them back. Sometimes we, we, we don't want to go back in our past um, to, to, to feel less than because sometimes our past isn't as glamorous and we, we feel less than because of the sins or maybe where we came from. But sometimes it's good to go back and remember the victories. Remember what God brought you through. Remember how you should have been dead. Remember how you got through that situation. Remember how God supplied the need where it didn't look like you were going to be able to pay your bills. Remember when that guy gave you them free tires. Remember when God... Forget not the Lord and all his benefits. So I figured he was probably, and I'm sure it's in there. I just didn't have time to exhaust it all. But, but he was telling them how to worship. He was reminding them of the strength. He was reminding them. And I would imagine as just as I get excited when I'm telling about the goodness of God, Allison and I was talking this week. We were both so excited. We were like, who can we pray for now? Where can we go now? Who's sick? Who's depressed? Who's broke? Who's, we, 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 we were so wound up and I would imagine David was like that in that cave and he got so excited that it started getting on him and they just wanted to come on but what do you mean Saul Saul's coming at us with 3,000 men and looking around and all we got's 400 ah that's good the odds are against you my friend but if God be for you who can be against you come on you are more than a conqueror through Christ who strengthens you this isn't about you. It's about who you're supposed to be, who you're supposed to touch, who you're supposed to change. Why do you think that you think the devil just pounded on you just because he don't like you? No, no, he is more efficient than that. I don't give him much credit, but he's much too efficient to just attack People that have no purpose. You have a purpose. You have a destiny. You have something that he's afraid of. The, play, the cave is a line. We all have to step across. Where our life becomes God's responsibility. Some of you are battling a spirit of toil. And grind. All you do is grind. And you grind. And you toil. Jesus can speak to that. 
The fishermen were out toiling all night. They knew where the fish were. They knew how to fish. But for whatever reason, I think it's so God could give, Jesus could give them a revelation. Jesus was in their boat. And, and no, 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 he was on the shore. I, I didn't look this up. This is just coming up in my spirit. They were toiling all night and they took their net in and they went in. And Jesus said, put your nets on the other side. You're a carpenter. You're not a fisherman. You know about hammers and nails and, and, and tool belts. and uh, We're the fishermen. But nonetheless, master... We'll do what you say. Has God ever told you to do something that makes absolutely no sense? I know how to do this, but he tells you to do it different. And they let down their nets this time. And they caught such a great draught of fish, their boat began to sink. And they had to call for their buddies that were out there on the tuna show. And have them all come in and help them take the fish in. Wicked tuna, I guess. God is speaking. Are you listening? So let's go back real quickly. Distressed, in case you didn't know what you was raising your hand for. (laughs) I'll give you the definition. (laughs) Distressed is oppressed, anguished, stress, and pressure. In debt. In case you didn't know what that was. <laughs> I don't think it was just they ran up some credit cards and made some bad financial decisions. Back then, they, they borrowed against their property. I feel like they, they were at lo- like great loss beyond financial repair. Discontented. Bitter souls. Discontented has two words. Bitter souls. You know the ones we... Bitter soul. I I was thinking about... I was talking to my son the other day on the phone. And I was telling him about my message I was putting together. and, And I said, you know that bitter soul thing, that discontentment thing. You finally see the light at the end of the tunnel. And... For a second, you're ready to shout. For a second, you're ready to say, man, it's about stinking time. My breakthrough is coming. And all of a sudden, you hear, and it's a train coming at the end of that tunnel. One hit after another, after another, that we stop expecting God to move and answer our prayers. We just sit there and wait for the next shoe to fall. We've been hit so many times, we just expect it. Because after all, my mother named me Charlie Brown. Everybody picking on me. Can I have your rag? Thank you. We stop, we, we, we stop expecting God to move And we start expecting more trouble, more struggle. Oh, we start praying, but we pray in fear. Because we really don't believe God can touch that person. We really don't believe God can save them. We really don't believe God can come through because it's too big. It's too big for you. 
for sure. But it's not too big for God. Goliath was too big for those men. But when God gets on it, he had so much faith. You've heard this before, but I want to remind you. He had so much faith in his God that he brought four more stones. Do you know why? Because Goliath had four brothers. And he took the position, I ain't taking down one of y'all. I'm taking down the whole clan. I'm taking down the whole crew. I'm taking down the hood. I don't care what you call it. I'm taking y'all down. I'm ready. I'm prepared. Carson, I don't know what you're going to do next year, but you're prepared in about six areas. Just stay prepared. Stay prepared. God's going to open a door. He's going to make a way. And if he doesn't, we're still going to praise him. That doesn't change based on the outcome. It's fidelity no matter what. I'm hurrying. So we, we know what bitter souls are. Bitter souls is when the fight becomes a mental one. And let me tell you, that is the greatest fight you're ever going to fight is this one right here. The mind is the battlefield for the enemy. You can get victory over your finances and take that course. You can get victory in your marriage and go get counseling. You can get victory, but your mind will pull you back. Your mind is where you're losing this battle. I've been there. I've had opportunity in the last 30 days to absolutely fight hell for every one of my children. Every last one of them. In the last 30 days, I I could probably move it down. No, I think it's been about 30. Every one of them got an ill report. Had a situation. So this isn't something I'm preaching at you. We got to live this at my house. We got to practice what we preach. Because this life is hard. But you're equipped. Do I understand why all of those things happen? Nope. Did I ask for answers? Yep. Do I think it's injustice? Yep. Do I think I would have done it differently if I was God? Yep. Do I think the devil's a... Stinking loser. Yep. So, so as I'm preaching today, I'm talking to me. I'm reminding me how we get the victory on our way to our destiny. The mind is where we win or lose. God can heal. God can sustain. God can keep you going. But your mind is key. Remembers David's stance when he faced Goliath. He knew no matter what he saw, he would have the victory. And let me insert this right here for those of you taking notes. Sight and vision are two different things. Sight and vision are two different things. Sight is what we do with our natural eyes. Vision is how we see in our spirit. 
Sometimes we get crossed up because we're stuck looking at what we can see and we know what God said in our heart. And the sights, they're, they're, they're crossing us up. Pastor preached it, I think, two weeks ago. You need to listen to the last two weeks or three even that, that talk about when, when you get a word and David did, he got that word baby when he was a young boy and it didn't come to pass, but he did, he didn't stop living waiting on the word. He conquered Goliath in the middle of the promise to the palace. God gave him a word and he didn't stand there. And wait and say, I'm anointed, I'm anointed. Where's my king's staff? Where's my robe? Where's my, 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 my ring? Where's my throne? No, he got busy. He kept going. Jesus, help us get this. Sight and vision. Bitter souls are everywhere. We could not look at our past defeats. And really, other than to remind yourself of the goodness of the Lord, you can't depend on your past victories. You get stuck there. God's got new ground for you to, to toil up. God's got new ground for you to conquer. God's got more enemies for you to slay. We, we, we got to keep pressing. The Bible says press towards the mark of the high calling. Push. It's resistance. Today is a new day. Grace and mercy is promised every day with every situation. With bitter souls, we have become conditioned. Carson when, and, and, and Joshua, some of you may have been in a sport, but, but just recently, the, they went through conditioning. They have spring conditioning. Jordan plays football. So when they go through conditioning, they, they work themselves past exhaustion. It, it was nothing to watch Joshua on the football field or Carson and his buddies on the football field and somebody's out there throwing up in the trash can because of the heat, because of the grind, because of the press, because of the push. They push them past exhaustion. Why? So they could endure when it was live and in action. If you, the, the people that prepare in conditioning can go the long haul. Our particular school is incredibly known for second half wins. They will go in the locker room down on the scoreboard and they will come back and win the game with unbelievable odds sometime because they put the time in to get conditioned. Some of you are conditioned to lose. You got to change that. Start getting conditioned now to win, to endure every enemy's attack. Everything that comes my way, I'm getting stronger. My faith, faith is a muscle. You've got to work that thing. Start using your faith in the small things and God will continue to build that faith in the big things. Get conditioned. For the heat of August and September. Get conditioned for the cold state championships in the dead of winter. Come on. You don't know where that big fight's coming. You don't know when that Goliath is going to walk in your life. You don't know. But all I do know this is if you put it in, it will come out on time. Amen. Put your hands together. Give the Lord a praise. Amen. 
David had an opportunity for revenge. And he didn't take it. God said to say that statement today. You have been done wrong and I don't even know who this one was for. You have been done wrong. This, let God do it. God will execute judgment. His Bible is full of it. I've seen it over and over. David had the opportunity to kill Saul in the cave. They finally met up. But, they, but Saul hadn't had his eyes adjusted. He wasn't conditioned. David had bat eyes at that point. He could see in the dark. He could see the enemy coming in. And he was able... To see Saul and could have took him out. In fact, the men said, are you kidding me? We've been in here hiding for four years. Take him out. David couldn't do it. God took him out. <laughs> David didn't have to. Let God fight this one. I don't know what this one is. I don't know who this one's for. But the revenge, let that thing go. It's becoming a bitterness in your soul. And you've got to let it go. And just, I, I know it hurt. I know they were wrong. I know it happened. I know all of that. But God says, don't try to execute revenge. So that's out there. That's for somebody online, somebody in the house. Pull back. Look, hands off. God will take care of them. I promise you. First Chronicles 12. After your cave experience, this is what they pinned about David and his 400 men. Mighty man of valor. Men trained for war. Men who could handle shield and spear. Come on, you got weapons today. Those who face, they're, they're, whose faces were like lions. They were swift as gazelles. To he who was the least was equal to hundreds, even thousands. Don't shun that, th don't shun that cave experience. Come on, we're in this cave together. Everybody's at a different level. Everybody's at a different fight. Everybody's got different situations in their, in their, in their family, in their, their, their life, their mind. 